0: Welcome into BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Rue of BTN, and this episode's guest is former Rutgers center C.J. Geddes. Let's get into it. All right, we'll get to the interview with CJ in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to get in a quick word from our sponsor, Northwestern University's School of Professional Studies. You can build a solid foundation in the strategic, creative, and analytic skills that are essential for success in the business of sports in the master's program in sports administration at Northwestern University. Find out more at sps.northwestern.edu. Great opportunity there for anyone looking to beef up their their skills and maybe work in uh, the sports industry at a place like BTN, definitely check that program out. And now, CJ Geddes. I'm very pleased to be joined by former Rutgers big man, current professional hooper, CJ Geddes. CJ, what's up, man? How are you?
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me.
0: Appreciate you jumping on. Um, It's been a while since I saw you out in the court, on a, on a Big Ten court at least, so uh, you I want to get you on to catch up. Let, let everyone know, especially Rutgers fans who remember you from that one season uh, at the rack. what you've been up to in the past few years.
1: Past uh, few years, just been uh, playing professional basketball. Been in England for three years. Um, you know, tried my hand in the G League. Things didn't work out. Um, and this year, just about two weeks ago, signed to go play in Japan. Um, so, you know, exploring something new.
0: Awesome. Well, congrats on the, the new, uh, new venture there. How was the British basketball league? How did you end up there and what's kind of the level of competition and just take us through that league and the landscape there.
1: Uh, so I actually ended up there through my first agent, um, who I hired right out of Rutgers, um, went there, played for the Cheshire Phoenix my first year, had a phenomenal year, made the team of the year, uh, AKA like the, the best five of the year. Um, didn't make the playoffs that year. Uh, The following year I tried by hand, uh, went to China for like a two week stint. Things didn't work out a very third world. um, Didn't like it, you know, so I ended up back in England with the same team again, uh, the Cheshire Phoenix didn't have as good a year. um, Partially because I think it's because I came in halfway through the season. So, you know, I didn't really, you know, get warmed up from the start like most players did. Um, And then third year, I played for a team, Newcastle Eagles, after I tried my hand at the G League. Um, So I actually made the training camp roster for the Fort Wayne Mad Ants, which is the G League affiliate of the Indiana Pacers. Um, There were some great talent in the training camp. Hashim Sabit, uh, a couple guys, Brian Bowen, uh, Naz Long, guys that were on two-way contracts. Um, Made some good friends, but things just didn't work out. Um, Ended up back in England with the Newcastle Eagles. Had a phenomenal year. Uh, it was sad that things ended the way they did with COVID coming. Um, but luckily, March 15th or around that time, I believe, the last game we played was actually a trophy game uh, in which we won. Uh, I was lucky enough to be the MVP of the game. And then, uh, you know, we, we were home the next day. At least I was. So um, things have been weird. Signing for the following season was, you know, always up in the air because nobody knows what's going on with this COVID thing. Um, And luckily, about two weeks ago, I signed a deal to go play in Japan.
0: Yeah, when are you supposed to head to to Japan? Like, when does that season start? And is it still kind of uncertain? Or or are things pretty well locked in?
1: I think there's a little bit of uncertainty Um, right now. They're talking about early November coming in. Um, When games will start, I don't know yet. Um, I guess they're waiting to see, you know, what their government's saying. Um, But you know just hoping for the best and you know continue to be prepared for when the time does come you know just got to up and leave that's how professional basketball is especially overseas you know you might sign a contract and a team might want you to leave the next day or a team might you know not want you there for a month or two so you just got to always be ready um stay in shape you know be ready to play basketball
0: for sure and it sounds like you carved out a nice role in in england and uh congrats on that you know keeping the the career going but uh I definitely want to revisit some of those stories in a little bit because I love overseas basketball stories. That's where some of the best uh, hoops talk can be found, I feel like. But I do want to talk about Rutgers because that's where most of these listeners know, know you from. Um, tell me about the, the process to end up at Rutgers because you, you started your whole undergraduate career was at uh, UNC Wilmington and, you know, Rutgers wasn't anywhere near your hometown, wasn't anywhere near uh, your college town. So what drew you there to close out your career in the beginning of coach Peichel's tenure there?
1: Um, so actually, uh, assistant coach Jay Young at the time at Rutgers and his first year with coach Peichel, um, we had a mutual, um, coach Jamie Kashmiric, who is my assistant coach at UNC Wilmington. Um, and coach Young were very good friends and, you know, had met each other somewhere down the pipeline and, uh, Coach Kashmiric recommended me to Coach Young uh, as a fifth-year available transfer. Uh, I was on the phone with Paykel, you know, very soon after that, and, you know, just developed a great relationship from there. And, uh, you know, Paykel had, you know, a great vision for Rutgers basketball, and obviously you can see that now. Um, And I bought into his ideas and system, and I was just glad to be a part of that from the beginning. I wouldn't change it for the world. I will play for Paykel, you know, seven days a week, you know, every day of the month, every day of the year. Great guy. He's a player's coach and uh, guys can definitely see that.
0: It's so common now in college basketball with the the transfers and one year guys, grad transfers. So what's it like trying to kind of pack a whole college experience into one year when you've already kind of done it? How do you fit in? How does the, the process kind of shake out? Just take me through showing up when you're already have kind of gone through the whole college experience.
1: Uh, Well, it was actually very easy for me. Um, I got there and the guys just trusted me from day one. Uh, I was a veteran. I was really the only senior on that team other than walk-on Khalil Beatty um, that year. So uh, it was very easy for me to get adjusted. The guys took to me very well. Um, I had just played in the NCAA tournament the year prior. uh, In the first round, we played Duke. Um, So guys trusted me, you know, but I also brought that mentality. Like I had to show them, you know, reasons to trust me. So I got there from day one, being very vocal, being a, being a leader through my voice, um, and just working hard. Um, things, a lot of things have changed since then, obviously, you know, during my career I was a bit heavier. Um, you know, wasn't the most athletic guy, uh, but I've changed that, you know, and I I realized, you know, that's better for my body, better for my career long-term. And, uh, you know, if I could go back in time and realize this a lot sooner than I did, I think I might be somewhere else in life, but, uh, you know, lessons are learned and, you know, you make the best of them.
0: Yeah. And, you know we, we talked about it. you got there in year one of Pikel. does anything at all and it sounds like you have nothing but nice things to say about him anything at all surprise you just about how he's kind of steadily built it into being an n c a tournament team like they were last year
1: uh The only thing that surprises me honestly is that that it hasn't happened faster. Uh, he's a great guy uh he recruits well he's a player's coach he uh everybody loves him. I don't think the guys you know has any anything negative to say about him you know nobody that's played for him um and you know there's a good reason for that you know he's he's had guys that have been successful jameel warney uh played in the g league for years uh you know that he's one he's become one of my close friends i work out with him regularly um geo baker's having a great career at Rutgers. from a guy that was barely even ranked or recruited out of high school to go play for a big five school you know and have a great career like he has. And just the other day, I believe Andy Katz rated him, you know, top 10 best players to come back for college basketball this season. You know, I'm looking forward to see what he does this season, but, you know, also able to land transfers like Jacob Young from Texas, big name, big kid, you know, good recruit. Um, but, you know, Pike's just done a good job of keeping guys from New Jersey back, you know, keeping them in New Jersey, you know, Paul Mulcahy, Ron Harper Jr. Um, you know, that, that's important for, you know, the program and stuff like that. And people, in New Jersey, see that, and they want to come to Rutgers as well, just like Cliff, Cliff O'Marui, New Jersey kid, see what Ron Harper doing, Paul Mulcahy doing. So he wanted to join the process.
0: Coach Peichel seems like such a nice and genuine guy. He's been on the show before. We had, uh, I had a great time talking to him. Did he – I know he's intense. Like, you can tell he's intense on the court. Did he ever actually, like, get mad at you guys? Did he ever get to a point where, you know, he was maybe pissed off where it shook you a little bit?
1: Oh, Pike was said some things that, you know, would make you say, Whoa, but you know, he meant it in the most sincere way, but like you would also be able to have a laugh about it afterwards because some of the stuff he said was in such anger that it didn't make sense. So, uh, but you knew he was being serious at the time, but afterwards you could always come back and have a laugh at it. Um, just a great guy. I mean, I don't think he has a harmful bone in his body or, you know, anything like that. He's been through a lot, uh, personal life, stuff like that, you know, with his wife and stuff. But, you know, I love the guy to death. I, I would play for him every day of the week.
0: Yeah. I mean, he was so nice. We were at the final four and, and we were just in the back of like some restaurant. He agreed to like sit down, meet with me. He's like, whatever you need, you know, he comes in this dark booth in the back and is doing this interview. Uh, great personal experience with him as well. Um, if you had to take maybe one memory or experience from your, your one year in Jersey, you know, it could be on the court or off. What's kind of one thing that sticks with you to this day that you reflect on and, uh, and cherish?
1: Mm, I mean, to be honest with you, one thing that's been a lifelong impact thus far is actually I met my girlfriend in New Jersey, uh, you know, still with her to this day. Um, she's been there for me throughout my whole pro career. And I think that's very hard to find nowadays. Um, she's supported me from day one. But uh, basketball-wise, it definitely has to be – hitting the game winner against Hartford, um, little put back, you know, Hartford was a team that we were expected to beat. Um, but they gave us one, one hell of a game. Um, and we came storming back. We were down at one point and, you know, they hit a put back to win the game. Uh, that was my first game winner in college. So, you know, it made me feel important, you know, the fans loved me from there, but I also feel like I just played with a lot of energy and the fans reacted very well to that. Um, so just, you know, my whole Rutgers year in general, was nothing but a blessing.
0: See, that's why I left the door open for off the court so you can get some brownie points, you know, with the lady. Nice. nice Uh But you mentioned it, no, you were like, uh, it seemed like you were a fan favorite. That's why you stuck out to me, you know, not only for your play, but because it seemed like you resonated whenever we would share like your highlights on social media. So why do you think you had that connection with Rutgers basketball fans, even at a time when the program wasn't quite to where it is now?
1: They were looking for something. Uh, Rutgers nation was looking for something to believe in. And, uh, To have a player come in for one year and to have that kind of energy, I think they really appreciated that. Um, And that was the beginning of the buy-in process to Paykel. And they could, you know, see what I was doing and expect to see more of that for the years to come. And they have with guys like Geo Baker, you know, Ron Harper Jr., Paul Mulcahy, Jacob Young, Caleb McConnell, all those guys. Um, Even Deshaun Freeman after I left, those guys they play with heart, they play with energy, you know, they play to win. Uh, and at the end of the day, everybody has each other's backs, including Pike, who are coaching staff. Um, Rutgers is just on its up and up.
0: So how have you been able to follow team and their games the last few years? You know, being over in England six, seven hours ahead, um, were you able to watch the games? You kind of have to wake up in the morning, check the score.
1: Uh, I, I would try and stay up as late as I could to watch the games and watch whatever games I could, um, whether that be, you know, through – Uh, a VPN and watching on ESPN or Big Ten Network or just finding some kind of backdoor stream and hoping my computer doesn't get a virus. um, It was worth it, you know, especially, uh, you know, Big Ten tournament times when they were playing in, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, That was a great time for me because that was 7 p.m. England time. So, you know, it gave me something to look forward to. Um, But I'm just really disappointed I didn't get to watch them play in the NCAA tournament this year. I think they could have made one heck of a run um, it's just sad. That's just Ruckers luck, isn't it?
0: Um, I was going to say, what was your reaction when you heard that the tournament was canceled? I felt so bad, you know, not only for – obviously for Rutgers, like Penn State, Dayton, uh, my alma mater, Illinois, teams that hadn't been there in a while or had a great chance to make a run, and it was just – the rug pu- was pulled out from under them. So how did, you, uh, how did you react to that, you know, obviously unfortunate development?
1: I was very upset for the players uh, and Pike uh, a whole group of people that deserve nothing but the opportunity to prove themselves on the big stage. They proved it in and out throughout the year, um, especially in the big 10 tournament, you know, beating big teams, Purdue, uh, stuff like that. And, you know, I remember vividly they were getting ready to warm up for a big 10 tournament game. Like they were there ready to play. Um, I forget who they're about to play. I think it might've been Indiana. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, you know, mid warm up, they're called off the floor. And I just knew it was downhill from there. Um, if there's no Big Ten tournament, there's no NCAA tournament. Now, they hadn't said that. They were all hopeful for the big or for the NCAA tournament. But uh, this thing has just shocked the world by, you know, shocked the world in general. Um, and I think it's very disappointing that we didn't get a chance to prove ourselves for a program that deserves it, that hasn't been there for years. Um, but don't count us out. We're definitely going to be there again.
0: Yeah, I mean they bring everyone back. You mentioned our guy Andy Katz. He has them uh, pretty high up, I think, in the Big Ten. I think he got him at fifth in this preseason rankings. So uh, don't sleep on Rutgers for sure. And I think they'll be back in the mix uh, in whatever form the NCAA tournament takes this year. Um, moving on, CJ. You know, taking it back to or taking it now outside to your outside of your Rutgers experience. Um, You know, the last game before, you mentioned playing for UNC Wilmington. The last game before getting there was against Duke. And, uh, you know, you mentioned you bring that experience to to Rutgers, playing in the NCAA tournament. And you guys gave them a game. That was a great Duke team. What was it like kind of making it to the tournament and then facing guys like Brandon Ingram, Luke Kennard, Grayson Allen, and competing out there?
1: Uh, I mean – we knew we deserved to be there. And a lot of teams, you know, might go into a situation like that kind of expecting to lose, you know, they see Duke and they're like, ah, you know, we made it this far. Let's just have fun. Uh, that wasn't our mentality this, that year. We, we thought we could truly win the game and we proved that by, I believe we were actually up at halftime. Um, and then second half, we just fell apart. Uh, I believe Grayson Allen got to the free throw line in an incredible amount of times in the second half. Um, and Duke's a great team, great program, great coach. What can you expect? Um, they were expected to win, so uh, we couldn't kick ourselves too much. We gave them a game. Uh, I think we accomplished more than everybody thought we would.
0: Wait, so you're telling me that in a game against an underdog, Duke got some uh, some whistles and got to the free throw line? I would never never believe that.
1: Who are you telling?
0: <laughs> Man, hate to see it. Um, all right, CJ, I told you I wanted to get back to some of your overseas career stories and professional career stories. So let's, uh, let's run it back and talk about your time in England. And before we even talk about any of the, the basketball experiences, I got to ask, because I feel like this happens when people go over there. Um, did you like develop any sort of British accents or inflections at all? I can't hear it right now, but I feel like people always pick up terms and then it always kind of bleeds into their, their, uh, you know, whatever their home native tongue is. So what did you kind of pick up from over there?
1: Yeah, so uh, definitely the first two years, I would say more so than the last. Um, I would find myself coming home from the season and, uh, you know, saying things like cheers instead of thanks. Um, You know, they're big on that. Uh, But other than that, not really. You know, I try to avoid coming home with the British accent. You know, there's other Americans on the team that you talk to, but it's really important for somebody coming from college that's going overseas to try to engage in the culture, um, you know, make the most of it. You know, this is like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So uh, I made sure I got around explored. But, you know, British people were very, very entertaining, to say the least, as fans, uh, whether they actually know basketball or not. Um, they're 100% committed, uh, very similar to how they treat soccer. So, you know, people are diehard fans. Well, you have a select handful of people that actually do know about basketball or don't know about basketball that are diehard fans that would be willing to fight an opposition's team's fans outside the building um, if need be. But it was a fun experience. Um, You know, the gyms were no bigger than maybe, like, the size of, like, uh, a big high school gym, uh, hold a couple thousand people. But uh, it was interesting to say the least. Uh, I enjoyed my time there, but like I said earlier in the in the podcast, it's just it's time to explore new options. That's why I decided to you know take my talents to Japan this year um, and see what they have to offer.
0: Yeah, what was the biggest culture shock? Would you say like did you did you get into soccer at all? You know, besides the whole driving on the wrong side of the street thing, and you know the biggest thing when I was I spent a couple of days in England, just noticing. And you mentioned how colorful their fans were. Uh, it was like a Tuesday or Wednesday and I'm having lunch at this pub and you know, the pub is full with like office workers at 2 PM, like, you know, just having a good time. So what was the biggest culture shock and and what, uh, you know, what, what did you kind (laughs) of take with you as far as some habits?
1: Uh, I mean the biggest culture shock, honestly, you, you mentioned it is driving on the wrong side of the road. So, uh, If you have a driver's license when you go overseas, you are given the opportunity to have a car to transport yourself around, and the car is provided by the club. Um, So in England, driving on the right side of the car and on the left side of the road, let alone a a manual six-speed, which not many people my generation nowadays can drive uh, manual six-speed anyways, uh, having the shift with the left hand as opposed to the right um, is a big difference. but culture shock other than that, really nothing like they have, you know, food's very similar. Um, you know, they drink a lot. That's, you know, like you said, people just casually drink a lot more than maybe so here. Um, people might leave the office, you know, for an hour or two, go have a few drinks, get back to the office or maybe not go back to the office. Um, and lastly in England, it seems to rain every single day. Um, You know, you might find that in some states around here, but it's rainy, cold, windy uh, every day of the week, something like that pretty much. But uh, so you don't – definitely don't want to go to England to vacation for the weather, Um, maybe to do some sightseeing in London, uh, go catch a soccer game in Manchester, Liverpool, something like that.
0: Yeah, what was your favorite city to visit? You were in uh, Newcastle, I believe, but what was your favorite city on the road to kind of check out?
1: To be honest, I love Newcastle. Newcastle was – amazing. Um, Newcastle was like, you know, a city that, you know, took care of its players. Uh, they knew who we were. So, you know, you'd be walking around, you get people who say something to you, acknowledge who you were. Um, Manchester is a cool city, big city. Um, London. So my girlfriend was begging me, begging me, begging me to go to London when she came over to visit. Um, I finally gave in. We went and we did like London in two days saw the uh the london eye we rode the london eye saw buckingham palace the london tower bridge which i believe i actually learned a fact that the london tower bridge was actually donated to england from either like wisconsin or like michigan so it was a it was a bridge that was formerly in the united states and they de it and like gave it to england um so i learned that just the other day actually so that was something new but you know, did London in two days. It was cool to see. Um, I wasn't the huge, the biggest fan, but, you know, it's a lifetime experience.
0: Yeah, I didn't know that about the, the Tower Bridge, but uh, I was also in London for two days, and y- you said it right there, the cheat code, just go on the London Eye. You can see the whole city. That's all the sightseeing. You really yeah. need <laughs> good call. Um, and then uh, you mentioned kind of how the, the, the hometown fans took care of you, recognized you, shouted you out uh you have a distinct advantage of being seven feet tall. So you're gonna stand out no matter what. I feel like everything in Europe and overseas is kind of just smaller in general. You know, the buildings are older, streets are narrower. Um what's the experience been like being so tall? You know, what what's been the biggest burden and then the best thing about it?
1: Uh the best thing about it is just, you know, being tall in general. Uh you know, it gives its advantages in basketball because your advantages you know, at the grocery store, I can get something off the top shelf that somebody else might not be able to. Um, it just adds up small things. But the disadvantages are not, you know, walking through a doorway, a common doorway that you might be able to walk under, but I have to, you know, break my neck, bend over to get through. Um, and sometimes it is a bit annoying to be, you know, this tall and just have 100 people come up to you and ask you if you play basketball or ask you how tall you are, you know, give you the comment, how's the weather up there? So, you know, if they're polite about it, it doesn't bother me. But, you know, it's, it's a different story when they're a bit rude. Um, you know, sometimes you got to come up with some creative answers to give them if they're rude. So I've done that before.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you said that because, uh, you know, I don't get too personal on the podcast, but my dad is tall. He's not as tall as you, but he's almost, he's, he's in that range. I didn't get blessed with the same genetics. So I'm just average height, but he has the same sort of issue, especially overseas, like people will come up to him And you know, comment or something. So he has some sarcastic remarks lined up, and uh, I feel like that's just a community that you know only only the tall people understand and and can relate to. So that's hilarious that you (laughs) that you that up. Um, I I imagine I don't know if you've been over there yet. I'm guessing not with the whole situation. But I imagine you're gonna stick out even more in Japan. Um, What do you know about you know Japan? What did your agent prep you on, and how are you kind of prepping to go over there and adjust?
1: Well, from what I've learned, you know, through personal research or talking to people that have been to Japan, Japan is actually very Americanized compared to China. And I've been to China before and China is, you know, third world, like it's a, it's a shock if you're not ready for it. Um, but Japan, you know, I assume it's going to be the same, you know, generally smaller people are just going to come up, think, you know, like I'm some kind of like legend and, you know, treat me, you know, like I'm some star, like I'm Shaq or something. Um, so I'm ready for it, but I'm also ready to dive into the culture and kind of engage and see, you know, like what, what their people were like and, you know, stuff like that. And I think it's just cool. It's an, it's an opportunity that not many people get to experience. So, um, we take full advantage of it, you know, try and see, see what comes of it.
0: Yeah. I think I've definitely had people on the podcast before play in Japan. They all have great things to say. I think Stephen Bardo, Trevor Mbakwe, Rodell Jones, guys like that all played there and, and uh, had nothing but good things to say. So I think you're in for a, a fun experience. And you're right that Japan is definitely, um, you know, Americanized, like you said, kind of Western. So, uh, you know, definitely have to follow your your journey over there and, and, and see how you like it. Um, but back home, speaking of uh, some basketball going on right now, I'm just curious if you've been watching and taking in the – NBA bubble season, if you're an NBA fan, how have you kind of been consuming the live basketball that is occurring right now?
1: Uh, So I've, I've been watching, um, here and there. I, you know, I don't, I'm not tuned into every single game. I think, uh, given the circumstances, it's, you know, like a bit weird to catch a game at, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, this is probably before the playoffs started. And, you know, you always want to catch the primetime games, you know, you want to see LeBron and Dame go head to head. You want to see Kawhi and Luka go head to head. Um, you know, just, just noticing who the real, like, the best players are in the NBA right now. You know, Luka Doncic is something else. Um, for a guy who many commentators said was slow-footed, couldn't, you know, guard anybody in the NBA. Um, you know, they very, they very well downplayed his game, and I think he's proven them wrong. LeBron's LeBron. Uh, I'm not a big LeBron fan, but, you know, he's going to do what he does, and, you know, that's be one of the best players in the world. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo is a freak Um, you know defensive player of the year award yesterday probably going to be MVP for the second year in a row if you ask me Um, so I would personally like to see Dallas versus uh, Milwaukee in the finals Um, but Dallas played terrible last night the Clippers got the best of them so uh, and I think Dame and them are done because Dame's not playing tonight apparently because of a knee so You know, you can count LeBron to the next round, you know, give him a free pass pretty much. Um, But, you know, it's been different, you know, watching it with no fans, especially and stuff like that. But it's just good to have something on TV and, you know, be able to watch the sport you love.
0: Yeah, it's been more entertaining to me than I think I thought it would be. And I'm not the biggest NBA fan. Like, I'm a, you know, I'm a huge basketball fan and I I watch quite a bit of NBA, but I'm not obsessed with it like some other people are. But like, I think the no fans aspect for me is just kind of highlighted how, good and skilled these guys really are because there's no distractions on the court. There's no camera cutting away to fans. You're just kind of locked into these guys just doing incredible things out there. So for me, that's been the coolest part. I know you rattled off a lot of players there. Uh, who do you try and maybe model your game after or take, you know, take some lessons from uh, bits and pieces of some guys games. Who, who do you watch and, and you, you know, take after a little bit?
1: Um, You know, personally, I don't watch anybody. Uh, I I have a favorite player in the NBA uh, who unfortunately had to sit out this season with the Achilles Kevin Durant. Um, You know, I play absolutely nothing like him. uh, But, you know, I just think it's incredible for somebody who's probably as tall as me, if not taller in reality, uh, that can handle the ball the way he does, that can shoot the ball the way he does. You know, he's a one-off player in the world, you know, just like LeBron is. And I think one day, eventually, if he can remain healthy, Kevin Durant will go down as the greatest scorer in the NBA um, ever. But personally, you know, there's really nobody to watch in the NBA anymore that, you know, I can try to resemble my game off of. Centers in the NBA are a lot different nowadays, you know, shooting threes, pick-and-pop guys, uh, just – you know, the the traditional big man is almost non-existent anymore, I guess. You can look at guys like Mark Gasol, uh, you know, Brooke and Robin Lopez have all had to change their games to adjust accordingly. You know, Brooke Lopez is probably one of the best three-point shooters in the league, percentage-wise. He might not take the most, but he's knocking them down when he gets a chance. So, um, there's no shacks anymore. There's no, you know, Yao Ming's. There's no... True centers in the league, uh, no hakeems, but uh, it's it's fun to watch. I just don't have anybody to resemble my game after.
0: All right, how about doppelganger wise? Because you you know you mentioned it's slim CJ now. You, you trimmed down quite a bit from your Rutgers days. Uh, does anyone compare you to anyone in the league? Looks wise, or we'll even extend it to just celebrity wise. That's always fun trying to get the the celeb look alike. Um, I think, that, you know, you, you, might, you have a little bit of uh, Luka Doncic in you, especially when you had the hair <laughs> on. You know, you, you had the hairstyle back in, uh, in college. So I could see that a little bit. Uh, so believe,
1: you believe, ever it or not, believe it or not, uh, there have been a handful of times that people genuinely thought I was either Luka Doncic or Kristaps Porzingis. Um, you know, here in the States, uh, you know, sometimes uh, I'll find myself just like going to like an outdoor park. They shoot around uh you know just for fun you know nothing serious just to shoot around just to get outside and kids will honestly think I'm one of those two and you know they'll harass me the whole time I'm shooting you know and they're like over there on their phones like you can tell they're on like Luka Doncic's Instagram trying to see like is this him is this him uh England I've had the same thing uh there have been a couple times I've played along with it just you know to make myself laugh um and the kids really went for it but uh you know, I've definitely had a few, nothing serious. Um, but those two guys, definitely for sure.
0: In Japan, you just got to sell it. Like, why not? You know, you're 8,000 miles yeah. away from home. Just just sell it and, and see how far it gets you. Um, <laughs> all right, CJ, before we wrap up, that's hilarious. I'm glad I called that, by the way, because that was kind of the first thing I thought. But um, before we wrap up, I do want to get uh, a couple more Rutgers questions worked in just to put you on the hot seat a little bit. Um, let's get a prediction for... Rutgers for next year. Let's say they play 30 ish games close to normal and they get some sort of a season in. Um, You know, what kind of finish in the Big Ten do you think they have in them? What kind of seating in the NCAA tournament? Um, Like I said, hot seat is on you now.
1: Okay, Um, fair enough. 30 ish games, regular season, I say they go 22 and 8, 20 and 10, somewhere in that range. Uh, I say they make a run in the Big Ten tournament. Um, let's say semifinals at the least of the Big Ten tournament. Uh, so that puts them in the top four of the Big Ten tournament. Um, you know, potential to achieve a six seed or better uh, in the NCAA tournament and uh, make a run, you know, win two, three games. Um, but, you know, possibilities are endless for a program that has guys buying into their head coach and, you know, the philosophy. Um I'm definitely interested to see what happens. Uh, I know guys are just now getting started with preseason workouts and stuff like that again due to COVID. um, At Rutgers, I'm not 100% sure, but I've talked to a few other coaches, Coach Young at Fairfield. They're allowed to have their guys back in. Um, So I definitely think, you know, Rutgers is going to shock people yet again. Uh, Whether it's a shock, you know, to me, no, I don't think so. Whether it's a shock to you, maybe not. Um, But to the average fan that, you know – has their negative views on Rutgers? just the ruckers name it's it's going to be a shock
0: not only at the top with coach michael but like up and down the roster it's a likable team you mentioned your guys like geo baker and ron harper just out of curiosity uh did you host any of those guys like current players on visits or anything like that like did you have any sort of inkling that uh of who was coming in when you were there a few years ago
1: uh so i i knew some of the guys that were coming in um the only player that I actually hosted myself is no longer there was Peter kiss who just transferred to Bryant university or Brown. One of the two, I believe.
0: I remember him, Um,
1: yeah. he, you know, was on a fully loaded roster this past year. Didn't get the play in time that he maybe wanted. Um, so he chose to go elsewhere, but he was the only player that I personally hosted, but I saw guys like Ron Harper Jr. Paul Mulcahy, cause I'm still around, you know, I'm in, actually in Jersey right now. So, um, You know, pre-COVID, last year, stuff like that, I was playing open gym with them, you know, two or three times a week. Um, So I kind of knew the guys, you know, very personally, even though I might not have actually played with them. Um, The last person that I would have played with that would have still been on last year's team would have been Eugene O'Marui. Obviously, he decided to go elsewhere. Um, But, you know, all relatable guys. I talked to Ron frequently, uh, Jacob Young frequently, Caleb McConnell frequently. Uh, so, you know, I know the guys personally just never hosted in their homes.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. And I noticed your, uh, your pin on social media said you're out in Vegas. So what's your connection there? Is that kind of just where you work out or do you hang out, spend some time there?
1: Hang out, spend some time, Vegas, Sin City, you know, got to get away from the real world every now and then. So, you know, go out, have a little fun, you know, lose a little bit of money, win a little bit of money, uh, you know, drive around the surrounding areas. Vegas is a great place. Not only gamble, in my opinion, you know, you get a, Get a rental car, get a car, and you know, you go to Utah, go to some you know national parks stuff like that. That's the kind of stuff that interests me. You know, I don't have to be drinking or you know gambling all the time. So just just switching it up.
0: Yeah, I asked because I just came back from that area. I was I did exactly what you just said in the national parks in Utah. Awesome trip, kind of get you know out in the uh, socially distant outdoors, and it's kind of the summer to do that type of thing. So I I feel like we have some of those interests aligning there. Good call. Yep.
1: Yep.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Uh, all right, CJ, before I wrap up, uh, I feel like more and more now I'm just asking my guests kind of about their food preferences toward the end of the show. So I'm just going to keep it going cause I, I've been doing it in the past. Um, so I'm going to ask you about two of the places you spent some significant amount of time in. Um, what is your favorite British food, maybe delicacy or like thing that's unique to that part of the world? Uh, and then I'll and then we'll take it to New Jersey and, and maybe some of the restaurants there. But let's start over uh, across the pond.
1: Um, yeah. So in England, there were actually a couple of places I really loved. So one was called uh, Miller and Carter Steakhouse, uh, very much like uh, just a high-end uh, Longhorn Steakhouse or like uh, you know any steakhouse really, but a bit higher end. Great food, great prices, great atmosphere. Um, in Newcastle, there's one spot specifically that i would love to open my own over here in the us just because i think it would blow up is a place called coop chicken house um specializing in chicken wings uh chicken shredded chicken boxes with like french fries buffalo sauce jalapenos onions just phenomenal stuff at ridiculously affordable prices um you know i i would eat there two three times a week just because it was chicken it was relatively healthy Um, but it was also so good. Um, but other than that, you know, England's got your traditional McDonald's, Burger King, uh, Newcastle even had a Taco Bell. Um, and then, you know, a pub food's always good. Pub food's cheap, tasty, affordable. You get a lot of food. So, uh, you know, you can't go to England and not go to a pub.
0: All right. How about in in New Jersey? Uh, I got my favorite one or at least my well-known restaurant whenever we get out there, but let, let me hear what you got.
1: To be honest, I don't really have any favorites in New Jersey. I think I found myself eating at a lot of you know chain places um I haven't really got out in in Jersey like that
0: uh see so you had you had the audience until just now now they're like you know we thought you were one of us
1: you, yeah. you don't have
0: a a a near and dear to your heart place uh I will say that my my spot is called Chaffees, and I've actually never been there. I don't know if you've had it, but it's a uh I think one of like a, a football family or one of the former football players is involved. Um, and they just have some really good Italian food and they would always bring it to us when we stopped through. So that's my spot. And you get all the Jersey favorites, you know, your, your, uh, your pasta and your pizza and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah. I'm actually not a fan of the Jersey pizza or the New York pizzas. They call it. Uh, and I get, I get a lot of crap from my girlfriend and her family for that a lot of time and they love it. But, uh, I also never been big into the Jersey, you know, Taylor ham or pork roll debate. I I don't think I've ever had either of them. Um, so I'm sure wherever this podcast goes posted, whoever watches it, I'm going to get some feedback for that too. But, uh, you know, I find myself just eating it, you know, like regular restaurants around here, nothing special, Olive Garden, stuff like that. Um,
0: So, yeah. fans are going to be like, we have all this great Italian food in New Jersey and you're going to Olive Garden. But I can't hate because Olive Garden, you know, the breadsticks, everything there, you know, don't sleep on it. So.
1: Exactly. (laughs) I
0: definitely feel you. All right, CJ, before we uh, hop off, one last question. Um, You know, I imagine as your uh, date to go overseas gets closer, you probably have less and less free time. But what have you been doing to kind of keep busy? You know, a lot of time around the house these last six months. Um, you know, has it been music, video games, Netflix? So what What have you been doing outside of basketball to keep your time occupied?
1: Uh, you know, as a basketball player, you still have to find ways to stay in shape to get that workout in. So, uh, you know, I've been doing that. Uh, gyms are actually announced to be reopening September 1st, uh, here in New Jersey. That was actually announced this morning. So very excited for that. Um, but actually started you know, getting my hand into basketball cards, baseball cards, um, you know, collecting rookie cards of guys like Luka, uh, you would, and Zion and John Morant, you would be surprised at you know, the prices that some of these cards are going for. Um, it's kind of entertaining. It's fun. It's a bit like gambling. You know, you pay prices to open up boxes. And if you get a Luka Doncic card and it's in good shape, you send it off to PSA or Beckett grading service to get it graded. Um, Luca Doncic's like BGS 10s, which is like the best grade a car can get, are going for like a couple grand, um, which is absolutely ridiculous. Now, I don't know if you just saw the other day um, anywhere, but there was actually a guy from Vegas, I believe his name is Gary V, uh, just sold a Mike Trout rookie card, like a purple refractor for $3.2 million. Um, and just for Four years ago, he bought it for four hundred grand uh, to flip it for that kind of return is ridiculous.
0: I did see that, and it it beat out the previous record, the T two hundred six Honus Wagner card, and I, I remember that for some reason uh, because I used to be pretty big into the the sport, especially baseball card game um, when I was younger, and I just have boxes of them sitting at home, and and it's always been kind of like a running joke in the back of my mind, but like they're gonna come back someday, kind of like vinyl came back, everyone kind of. You know the, the general public downplays it, but I think you and I are uh, going to be sitting on a, a gold mine at some point down the road, so, so uh, I like where your head's at.
1: You might want to go look in the boxes to see what you have, <laughs> to be honest.
0: Good advice. CJ, uh, that's all I got for you, man. Appreciate the, the conversation. It was a lot of fun catching up. Uh, we'll certainly be rooting for you as you, you take the next leap in your basketball journey. And uh, like I said, just great getting to know you a little bit and update the fans on what you've been up to.
1: Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: All right. Thanks once again to CJ for joining the show. Really appreciate him jumping on and uh, going through a wide variety of topics. I always enjoy when athletes that maybe only spent a year or a short amount of time at a school where it clearly sticks with them. The experience, you know, clearly has an impact on them for the rest of their lives. Kind of like how CJ um, expressed there. I mean, he... (laughs) Like he said, he met his girlfriend in New Jersey. He's still there right now, conducting this interview. And even though you know it's it's a school that he didn't originally commit to, it's something that he is clearly passionate about, follows to this day, um, you know, closely, and makes sure to watch all the games and keep in touch with the players and the coaches. It's really cool when that happens. I think Spike Albrecht is another guy we've had on the show multiple times who went to Purdue and uh, after a, a really memorable career at Michigan and still has really strong connections at Purdue to that school and to those guys. So just always enjoy picking the brains of guys like that who go through those experiences. And uh, once again, enjoyed CJ's extensive conversation about what he's been up to and um, how he's followed Rutgers and you know some of the interests outside of Scarlet Knights basketball and overseas basketball. So appreciate him once again for jumping on. I want to thank everyone for following along this summer. Obviously it's been a different time and there is a lot of uncertainty still ahead with how big 10 sports are to proceed. But um, one thing is for sure, we will continue to bring you episodes of the take 10 podcast and we'll bring you conversations that hopefully you find engaging as we navigate through the fall and navigate closer to the return of, Uh, Big Ten sports, hopefully sooner rather than later. I appreciate your loyalty to the show. It's the first time listening. Just a reminder, um, you you can subscribe and leave a rating or review on all our podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, Spotify, um, pretty much anywhere. Most places, podcasts can be found. We're there. And you can also find us on Big Ten Network's YouTube channel, which you should be subscribing to already. Uh, there is a playlist that features all the episodes of the, big, of the Take 10 podcast. And you, uh, as we've been doing all summer, you can now see our guests and, uh, and myself. If you if you want to see these interviews play out on camera, they are on YouTube, thanks to the magic of Zoom. So check that out for sure. I want to thank my special guest producer this week, Wes White, one of our, uh, our, our video manager at BTN, who is taking over for Julie Bronder who is our normal producer. She's on vacation. So shout out to Wes for hopping in and pinch hitting. All right, that's all we got for this week's episode. Like I said, keep it locked in the Take 10 Podcast. We'll continue to put out episodes into the fall. And as long as they'll let me have a microphone, I'll continue to talk to interesting Big 10 related people. Thanks as always. And we'll talk to you soon here on the Take 10 Podcast.